All right. And we are recording on on the Roadcaster Pro. And in five, four, three, two, one, we are recording on ScreenFlow. And we are going to begin the introduction. Living is easy with eyes closed. Misunderstanding all you see. I'd like to tell you about the strangest secret in the world. You go inside the cage. Cage goes in the water. You go in the water. Sharks in the water. Our shark. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu to you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. So never more shall we see you again. <laughs> You're listening to A Mind Revolution, leading you out of the rabbit hole, one grain of truth at a time. Hey there, everybody. P.T. Pop here with all four lobes of my brain securely bound behind my back. And welcome back to P.T. Pop, A Mind Revolution, where I lead you out of the rabbit hole one grain of truth at a time. I'm filming my podcast now, and I will be publishing them on BitChute. And here is my BitChute channel. I'll also be publishing them on my uh, YouTube channel. This is my YouTube channel, which is called PT Pop. And I have a variety of things on here. Now, I don't publish a lot on YouTube regarding controversial stuff like I talk about here on the Mind Revolution because they block it or they give me strikes against my account and things like that. So if I mention things like conspiracy theories or I mention things about the government, um, the CIA who controls YouTube says, No, no, Peter, you must abide by the rules or you will go to the cooler for 30 days. And Bit shoots a little bit more open-minded and this is my bit shoot channel so if you want to check that out i'll put links to both or all of these uh, in the description of this podcast but i just want to let you know i am recording them and publishing both on the internet as a podcast as well as on um the internet as a video aren't you excited I want you also to check out, you're going to love this, check out my award-winning documentary, The Artist. The, I, if I'm gonna, I forgot to bring it up here on my screen. This is my film, The Artist, a documentary. And I spent a year to make this film. I'm very proud of it. It's an excellent movie. It's a movie about artists and how, how they struggle on a daily basis to make ends meet and to create, come up with new creations, how hard it is to be an artist. Here, I'll play the trail trailer for you. Here, if I can bring it up. Logan Rogers interview, row one, one alpha, take one. Hi. What is your impression of what you think an artist's life is like? Wow, that's a good question. You get evicted from your home, you lose your car, you have no food in your stomach, and you're starving. Just, I can't do this, I can't wear this, I can't wear this, or OU's legal department is going to get all over me. 
how hard do you think it is to be an artist? Oh, I think it's extremely difficult. If you're in it for that reason, to get a love and attention, you need to get a really good therapist and work all that shit out. I think without artists, there'd be no music, there'd be no movies, there'd be no video games, there'd be no TV shows, there'd be no cereal boxes. I mean, you'd have a black and white society of plain, dull, and lifeless. Any money I make from the sale of art goes directly to the racetrack. So there you have it. There is the artist, a documentary, and I appreciate you. If you go and take a look at that, I'm running it for two ninety nine and selling it for four ninety nine. I mean that's like a gallon of gas, man. And what a deal! Christmas, Christmas deal for you guys. Um, and you know here, you know those of you who tune in and listen to me here. I cover a lot of material on my podcasts that are kind of considered conspiratorial. And today's podcast is John Lennon versus the government. And I bring this up because in previous podcasts, I've talked about how the Central Intelligence Agency or the CIA is involved in a lot of things that we do here in this country. And there's, there were theories that John Lennon was hunted down by the government and assassinated by the FBI or the CIA, which reminds me that I have a book. This is a book. This is called Breathe, John Lennon, A Conspiracy to Murder. Now, this is a book of fiction. This is a book where I fantasized that John Lennon really faked his own death so we could escape the insanity of uh, fandom and insanity of stardom and all that stuff. And it basically, it, it asks, is John Lennon really dead? Former Beatle John Lennon grew weary of being famous. The title of being a Beatle hung around his neck like an albatross. The Beatles hadn't been a group for 10 years, and still he and Yoko, hounded by the press and papers, there seemed to be no escape from the scrutiny and he and his wife had been experiencing since 1969 until they met Ray Griner, the owner of Bon Voyage Yacht Club in Rhode Island, who would give John a way to vanish into thin air. Now, this is a book of, of fiction. This is for sale on Amazon. And um, I'll put links to it in in the description here. But what led me to write this book was one day I was looking at the Double Fantasy album cover. And Double Fantasy was an album that, when it came out, I heard some of the music on the radio. And honestly, you know, as a Beatles fan at the time, I was 15 when Double Fantasy came out. And I wasn't real crazy about what I what I heard. So it, it wasn't like, you know, I was thrilled with the album. But when Double Fantasy came out, I didn't really like the album. I didn't like the Yoko Ono tracks on it. But I was also 15 years old, and I wasn't open-minded enough to really comprehend what he and Yoko were doing. But recently, I looked at the album, and I said, Double Fantasy? Hmm. Where did they get the name for Double Fantasy? And I, I realized, I did some research, and I found that they really got the name from, you know, a flower, I guess, a, a flower that John had discovered in Bermuda or something like that. But I thought, Double Fantasy, what if, what if, as a, as a form of performance art, John and Yoko wanted to have their cake and eat it too? They wanted John to come back into the limelight, get all this notoriety, so he could fake his death, kill the Beatles off, and they could go live their lives, or he could go live his life as an anonymous person like you and I. And I thought, well, maybe that's what they mean by double fantasy, starting over. They're starting over. He's washing the past away 
by faking his own death and going off to live whatever life he wants to live. That was the premise for the book. But I thought, okay, wait a minute. Then I started thinking about his death. I started thinking about how the government harassed him in in the late 60s and early 70s. And I thought about, I wonder if they had him killed. I wonder if the government had John Lennon killed because they thought of him as an activist, as a subversive type that was going to try to bring upheaval in the United States government or in our culture. Now, in reality, the, this, the given story that we're given on John Lennon is that he was killed by a man named Mark David Chapman. And, you know, I bring this all, all us up as well because I'm a huge Beatles fan. I've been a Beatles fan since I was eight years old when I discovered them. That's 1974. And from that day forward, I was a Beatle maniac. And obsession took over. I'm obsessed with the Beatles. I knew everything about them, or I thought I did. The Beatles were my sanctuary. The Beatles were my inspiration. They were my joy. I mean, I've never been able to explain why, and attempting to quantify it would be impossible. All I know is that their personalities and their music lifted me to a higher plane, and a plane that no one or nothing has ever taken me to in my life. Nothing. And they're the reason I learned to play the guitar and write over 150 songs. Um, they're why, why I'm speaking to you today on this camera and with this computer and all of my electronic equipment. They're not my only source of inspiration as an artist. My mother was my initial source of inspiration because she was a phenomenal artist and I would get so much ex- fun and satisfaction out of watching her draw or paint or whatever she did. She was she was an amazing artist. But John Lennon was my idol. I really admired him. I looked up to him. And as a child of two alcoholic parents, I grew up in a real tumultuous atmosphere. I had a lot of a lot of a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow, a lot of anguish. We lived in poverty, we lived in filth. And my parents divorced when I was 13. And so I could kind of identify, at least I thought I could at the time, thought I could identify with John Lennon's life, growing up without a father, growing up without a mother, being raised by an aunt. I wasn't raised by an aunt, and I really didn't have a mother until I was about 10 years old. I did and I didn't. My mom would sober up just long enough to make breakfast and get me off to school and make dinner, but she'd be blotto good portion of the evenings and the weekends. So I thought I could identify with this guy, even though I know knew, did not know him as a man or as a person. I didn't know that. When you're a kid, you follow these idols, these pop idols, as uh, blindly, you know. And today, actually today, December 8th, 2021, marked the 41st anniversary of John Lennon's death. And I was 15 years old on this day, on December 8th, 1980, when John Lennon was killed by an assassin, allegedly killed by an assassin. And it was the following morning, December 9th, when I found out about his death, because I think he died about 10 to 11 on December 8th. And I was in the shower. And my mother... Knowing what a huge Beatle fan I was, she knocked on the bathroom door and said, Hey, you know, did you hear the news about John Lennon? And I said, No, what, what are you talking about? And she said, Well, he was he was murdered last night in New York City. And I collapsed in the shower, sobbing. It was as if someone in my family had just died and had been murdered. It was horrible. It was an awful experience, and one I'll never forget. It's forever etched in my mind. I was a freshman in high school, and the morning I walked, that morning when I walked to, if I can learn to type here, that morning that I walked to school, 
is also forever etched in my mind. And it was eerily quiet that morning. It was, it was weather kind of like today because it's very warm here in Ohio. That, that morning it was sunny. It was a little chilly, maybe 40 degrees. And as I walked through the town square of my village, it was just so quiet. And I think I was, I was in shock. I think as I walked to school, I was in shock. And I got to school, and I walked through the front doors, and you know, all the kids were congregating in the front, front of the school, waiting for first period to start. And I heard a couple of people making fun of John Lennon's death, mocking him and saying how it was funny he got murdered. And then again, you know, I went to school with a bunch of deadheads and metalheads and people that just listened to Def Leppard and, you know, Metallica and ACDC and stuff like that. So they weren't Beatles fans. I was the freak in school because I was the Beatles fan. I was the one oddball that really liked the Beatles. Um, but so so his life and the Beatles music had a huge huge impact on me. So recently, I've been researching how the CIA and the FBI had been surveilling John Lennon in the 1960s and the early 1970s. And I read stories on the internet that the CIA may have had him murdered. And this is significant because I've, I've talked about the CIA in previous episodes of my podcast. I mean, the CIA is everywhere. I covered this, I covered this guy, Brendan Whitworth. Brendan Whitworth is Anheuser-Busch's new CEO. And he is former CIA. And... And this is this this story is from Inside Beer. It must be a, a beer website of some sort. USA Canada former CIA CIA officer named uh, Anheuser Busch InBev's new zone president, North America. Okay, so he's a CEO. He used to work in clandestine operations. So he's a spy. This is a guy who works for one of the biggest, what I call, quote, drug companies, unquote, because the alcohol industry is one of the greatest narcotics, free narcotics that are given to everybody, and people start using it at a very young age. Most of my friends started drinking at 13, 14, 15. And they get addicted very, very easily. Yet for some reason... It's okay. And I started researching this, and I'm thinking, okay, why why does Anheuser-Busch need a former CIA agent who was in clandestine work working for a beer company? Is it because he knows how to manipulate people? Is, he, is it because he knows how to work over the minds of the, of the masses so they'll drink more beer to come up with more clever, clever ad campaigns that will push people into wanting to drink more beer? Is that it? Why is the CIA involved in a, in a beer company? And then I did a review of a book called Charles Manson, The CIA and the Secret History of the 60s. Now, this is a really good book. And if
you want to read a really good book, read Charles Manson, The CIA and the Secret History of the 60s. It was published a couple years ago. I did a podcast on it. And there's all kinds of insinuations. And in if you, this guy did this amazing research for years and years and years, trying to figure out who really killed Tate, the Tate LaBianca, Tate, who was really behind the Tate LaBianca murders. And there was a lot of insinuation that the CIA had infiltrated hippie groups and had started spreading bad acid and, and, drugs all over Haight-Ashbury in California, and there was an idea behind it that they used Charlie Manson as a pawn to scare the general public into hating and being afraid of hippies, like being thinking they were crazy, murderous people. There's more to it than that, but, but when I saw this about Charles Manson, when I saw this about Anheuser-Busch, I said to myself, what if reality is nothing like we think it is? What if the reality that we see is what they want us to see because there's a government agency behind it. I mean, what if? What if the CIA runs the beer companies, the CIA manipulates popular opinions about things so they can push agendas? And, and I, you know, I can only assume, but it, it it's pretty obvious that um, something's going on behind the scenes. Now, if you go here, John Lennon was was in trouble back in the 60s because he was hanging out with Jerry Rubin. And Jerry Rubin was an activist and a revolutionary in the 60s. He was on the CIA's radar. He'd been to prison for some of his involvement with protests and things along those lines. I'm not a Jerry Rubin expert, but... Here's a brief interview with John Lennon and uh, Jerry Rubin on the Mike Douglas show from 19, I think this is from 1972, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure, but here we go. We're very nervous and we are both pleasantly surprised by how they both were, not at all like their image, as you two artists are more like Rev. What is the new Jerry Rubin thinking about these days? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, we're going to support Nixon for president because uh, uh, by going to China, he's furthering communist revolutions throughout the world and also encouraging communism at home. Anything to get elected, even though it's not appreciated by the right wing, it's appreciated by the left. I'm just kidding. I'm really just kidding. I'm really just kidding. What he's really done is automate the war in Vietnam so that it's machines killing people. Uh, create a situation where 43 people can be murdered at Attica. Uh, create a situation where four kids can be killed at Kent State, and people are afraid, scared. You really believe he created that situation? It's the atmosphere in the country is one of just death. I mean, but people, you said people, he created. You said. I think the fascinating thing about this video is here's a man who's speaking the truth. He's speaking the truth about the Vietnam War and the kids getting killed at Kent State. And what got him in trouble. I'm not certain. I, I didn't do a lot of research on Jerry Rubin. Let me see here. Jerry Rubin um, was an American act, social activist, anti-war leader, and counterculture icon during the 1960s and 70s. He became a ses- successful businessman in, in the 80s. He died, I think, in 1994. Um, but But basically, this man is speaking the truth. And he's talking about all these things that are wrong with the country. And Mike Douglas, who was the host of this old show from the um, 60s and 70s, is, is not very pleased with this man and his opinions. But John Lennon was hanging out with this guy, and the CIA was hip to Jerry Rubin and didn't like him and thought he was subversive, was going to help bring down the government. You said he- oh, I think his administration did, and he's the symbol of it. And so um, I'm working very hard with And President Nixon was president at the time, who was a, he wasn't a crook people all over the country to defeat Nixon. I think that's the most important thing. No, you're not going to vote for him, though. No, no, not going to vote for him at all. Mm. Why, uh, the, why the change, Jerry? 
Well, no. The, the what's, what's different in, in, in you and, and the movement? Like, let's say people thought the movement had died, you know? Yes. What is the movement? A, what is the movement? And B, right. did it die? And what are the differences in it now than, than four years ago? Yeah, Can you okay. explain well, I need that? an hour. <laughs> well, the movement is everybody, I hope, watching television. You know, it doesn't have any narrow oh, definition. Great, you know, and it's all the black people right now in jail who I know watch the show because when I was in jail, the show was on. You know, and so I, I want to give a love call to all the all the black people who are now in jail, and it's all the, all the students and uh, all, all people. That See, they're talking about the movement, and I think they're talking about trying to make people aware that at the time there were all these black people in prison, and the students were trying to protest. But but think about it: Th this video is from 1972, almost 50 years ago, and his concern was there was an overpopulation of African American people in prison back then, and there still is. And the same issues from 50 years ago are the same issues today. You know, um, race is being treated in, you know, unequally here in this country. Um, you know, youth not being taken seriously, the militarization of the, of the world by the American armies. And he had valid points and he was being honest. And John Lennon had the misfortune of hanging out with him. I believe that this country is, uh, since it's capitalist, is inherently oppressive and uh, also tries to dominate the world. I was in Chile this summer and I saw how the United States dominates the economy of Chile. Now the way the movement's changed is um, uh, the rhetoric has gone calmer because uh, the repression is so heavy. So he's talking about the oppression. I mean, think about the oppression today. Today, right now, because of this video that I'm making, I'm nobody. I'm not a John Lennon. I have... 4,600 followers on YouTube. But if I publish this to YouTube, just to talk about the CIA, I can't even say CIA, I'd have to change it to to the cover your ass or some some weird word. Uh, but this will get banned and blocked on YouTube. That's oppression. The oppression that John was talking about, John Lennon and Jerry Rubin, they wanted people to get off their backs and let them do what they want to do. But the government thought there was going to be like a literally a revolution that this guy was going to be at the, at the gates of the white house, you know, like on January 6th of uh, 2021. And anybody who does anything gets arrested, jailed, anybody who does anything gets arrested or jailed, killed, that people are like uh, very pessimistic wherever you go right now. You mean you people are very pessimistic. Now this is 50 years ago. Everybody today in 2021 is very pessimistic. Pessimistic. Why do you think that is? Because the government has steered us into pessimism. They've, they've created division amongst the people to keep us confused and frustrated and angry. We're looking for a savior to take us out of the pain. I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the Savior, the government. They're going to look at most people don't know how to think beyond the the, the obvious. They don't go, oh, this is all a scam. I better, I better. Uh, they all think, well, I bet you the government, the government's going to save me. General, whether they're radical yeah. or anything, just youth in general. Yeah. We notice that amongst youth, just totally pessimistic. Whether there's there no hope, political youth yeah. or just musical youth, there seems to be such an atmosphere of apathy around them. That, that how do we change that? You know, and there's an apathy too. This is 50 years ago, and he's talking about the apathy with the youth. Look at the day. We've all got our little glowing icons. We got our little, got our little cell phones that we stare at, and they glow. Oh, look, Mama, it glows. And there's porn on it, and there's pretty girls. And oh, look, I can buy something from Amazon, and nobody can take their eyes away from it. There's an apathy. Nobody has any fight in them. Nobody has any righteous in, uh, indignation. Nobody has any any determination to make things different or better. Everybody's stuck, and that's where they want you. They, I, I see the point of my video is: I think John Lennon was aware he had power, he had fans, he had money, and the government really wanted him silenced. Type, but I, I want to say something. My uh, parents came over here and got married in this country. They this guy on the right is. Uh, Dr. J... Who is that? He's the Attorney General at the time. Not the Attorney General, the, um... Uh... The Surgeon General. He's the Surgeon General. And he goes on to talk about his parents and defending what a great country it is and stuff. 
Now, so I'm not going to go on with Jerry Rubin, but that's the basic idea. So John Lennon was hanging out with this dude who was a uh, uh, revolutionary. He was spewing, you know, things that the government didn't like, so they took notice of John Lennon. Now, I found all these articles. This is from Patch.com, an article written by Bob Feldman. He's a community contributor. It's posted on March 21st, 2021, just a couple of months ago. And it says, did the CIA target John Lennon in 1980? Now, this is a part one. I urge you to go take a look at this um, because it, it covers some really interesting facts about John Lennon and about his his death. And I guess one one thing that leads me to believe the CIA was involved with his death was I had never heard this one rumor that the doorman at the Dakota the night John Lennon was killed was a man named Joaquin Sangenis Perdomo. And he was at the main gate of the front door of the Dakota. He was also a CIA agent. It's documented he was a CIA agent. And this guy was, before he was at the Dakota, was a senior policeman under Carlos Prio, exiled to the U.S. where he joined the CIA. Uh, I'm sorry, Carlos Prio was in Cuba. So this is a Cuban. This is a Cuban exile, I believe, who left Cuba, came to the United States, rejoined the CIA and played a vital role in putting together Operation 40, which Operation 40 is the Bay of Pigs. And the Bay of Pigs is basically where I think we used certain groups to invade Cuba. It fell apart. It was under Kennedy. And so, so... I'm thinking, okay, so there's this guy who was behind. There, Here's this guy, Perdomo, who is at the front door of the Dakota where John Lennon lived. And he's working as the night doorman the night he gets murdered. He's CIA. This is man a part of the Bay of Pigs scandal in the early 1960s. And the thing that... I don't understand is John comes out of out of his five year hiatus from, from being a musician and he comes back and he starts recording a record and they ha- and let's say they allegedly have him taken out. He must have had you know you know he must have they must have thought he was going to do something. President Reagan was coming into office, Jimmy Carter was leaving office and here's a quote here from the article at ahabit.com forward slash Watergate. The casualties, the casualties of the effort to outwit the evil empire, meaning the United States, by deploying the totalitarian tactics are people like John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King Jr., and John Lennon. I'm not certain where that quote comes from, but but people were basically scared of John Lennon. The government was scared of him because he had power. He had money. After discovering after discovering that the doorman who was there and witnessed the murder of John Lennon was CIA, I went, oh, <laughs> they had him killed. So basically, what happened is the story goes that this this Perdomo was the doorman. And Mark David Chapman was standing in the shadows. And shots rang out. John Lennon fell. Mark David Chapman was standing there looking. And Perdomo said, get out of here, run. And then when people started to come around and say, you know, what what happened? He said, oh, oh, that guy over there shot him. He goes, do you know what you've just done? You've, and, and Mark David Chapman goes, yes, I've shot John Lennon. So either Mark David Chapman was a um, Manchurian candidate who had been brainwashed, and he showed up with his five-shot thirty-eight, and then loaded it into Lennon, or Perdomo shot him, or Perdomo was the guy 
who had um, somehow suckered Chapman or was part of the CIA thing to trigger him like he snapped his fingers and the, and the guy goes, I will shoot John Lennon and shoot him. Because there's something weird about Mark David Chapman. Everything I see about him, every interview I've seen, he seems kind of like, well, I shot John Lennon and I, you know, his eyes are kind of vacant. He's just like, well, whatever. And who knows what they do to him in prison. Well, let, let's say he was put up to it. Let's say he was a Manchurian candidate and Perdomo was there to make sure he carried it out. I mean, is there something weird about the whole night? Nothing makes any sense. And after I discovered that Perdomo was the doorman, I began to question everything. So there was a, a um, there was a um, a CIA program called COINTELPRO. It it went from 1956 to 1971. It was a series of covert illegal projects conducted by the United States, the FBI, aimed at surveilling, infiltrating, and discrediting and disrupting domestic American political organizations, like what Rubin was involved in and John Lennon. FBI records show COINTELPRO resources targeted groups of individuals the FBI deemed subversive, including feminist organizations, Communist Party, anti-Vietnam War organization activists, the civil rights movement, and black power movement, Martin Luther King Jr., the Nation of Islam, Black Panther Party was you know under scrutiny, the Ku Klux Klan, all kinds of people. And John Lennon was wrapped up in all of that because he hung out with some of these people, like Jerry Rubin. <laughs> and... The murder of John Lennon is very strange because, I don't know. I mean, look at this guy. Look, I mean, I don't, you've got to talk about Mark David Chapman, but look at his eyes. His eyes are just like, you know, they're, they're gone, they're vacant, they're, they're vapid. Even his arrest, he's just this chubby guy. Well, I can't get the pictures of him to pull up like I had in areas. I know my computer's not running right. I've got ridiculous advertisements, but what I'll do here is, I mean, I don't want to focus on Mark David Chapman, but the point to everything here is the FBI was out to get John Lennon and the CIA was watching him because he was hanging out with activists anti-war activists, peace, peaceniks, and things like that that they found to be against the, against the country. And here's a screenshot of all, um, some of the files that the FBI had on John Lennon. And they were, they were watching everything about this guy. FBI efforts to get John Lennon deported were undercut by a bureau's inability to tell hippies apart. Uh, <laughs> You can't figure out one hippie from another, I guess. See, John Lennon in the 70s was trying to get citizenship in the United States, and they kept trying to deport him because of a drug bust. Uh, the Bureau worked to secure narcotics charge that would get him out of the country before the Republican convention that year. And there was allegedly going to be this big protest and a concert that was supposed to be anti-Republican, anti American that John Lennon was going to be um, involved in later on in the middle of the Republican convention. He was going to start a riot or something, allegedly. And uh, this is a, a memo on John Lennon from 3rd of February, 1973, 1972. References made to your teletype dated January 24, 72. Protest activity, civil disturbance reported that former Beatles singer John Lennon had contributed a large sum of money to the uh, Alamaki Alam tribe, headed by Rennie Davis. It's requested that you furnish this office with any additional pertinent information concerning Lennon's real relationship with the Alamaki tribe, Al Al I guess Alamaki tribe, and any indications that Davis has received other funds. And it goes on and on and on. Um, 
It says John Lynn contributed here $75,000 to assist in the formation of RISIC, um, formed to direct movement activities during the, the coming election year to culminate with demonstrations at the Republican National Convention during August of 72. And it goes on and on and on. I mean, I'm not one that believes in coincidences. I mean, all this stuff was piled up against him. Now, granted, this is 1972, and he died eight years later. But Jimmy Carter was leaving office. He was a Democrat. Ronald Reagan was coming into office. He was a Republican. I don't think he wanted any any type of protest because I think Reagan was known as kind of a warmonging, warmonger president, building up the military, all that stuff. <clears throat> and my my summation is that they, while John Lennon was quiet, they went, okay, he's being a good boy. He's he's baking bread in the Dakota, and he's traveling around the Bahamas, and he's just raising his kid. But the minute he says, screw it, I'm going back out there, I'm going to start being, you know, a pain in the ass, they started to, you know, look at getting rid of him. Um, here's more documentation. Here's Jerry Rubin, um, John Winston Lennon. This is confidential from the FBI. Source advised that Lennon appears to be radical-oriented, however, does not give the impression he is a true revolutionist since he is cons- constantly under the influence of narcotics. I guess you have to be clean and sober to be a revolutionist. Jerry Rubin, who the guy we just saw on Mike Douglas show, is convicted defendant of the so-called Conspiracy 7 trial, Chicago, Illinois, in the period September 69 through February 70, involving those persons earlier indicted for violation of the Federal Anti-Riot Act. Um... So they were looking at John Lennon's involvement with Jerry Rubin as, as the potential to, to create uh, riots in the country at conventions. And there, there's more than enough proof here that the government did not like John Lennon. And here's another note from the FBI. This is dated, I think this is all from April of 72. John Lennon, former member of the Beatles singing group, is is allegedly in the U.S. to assist in organi- organizing disruption of the Republican National Convention due to narcotic conviction in England. And this is this is where he was busted for pot, and it, which I find still find it odd. They, they you know they bust him for pot, which now they're trying to legalize everywhere. Um, but he is being deported alongside with a wife Yoko Ono. They appeared in immigration, you know, said this, they were just, the government was driving him crazy. They, they had tapped his phones. They were, you know, watching him, surveilling him, seeing who he was hanging out with. Somehow they knew where his money transactions were going. They had everything he did. They were watching every move he made because they knew he had power. He was a Beatle. They saw, you know, how people reacted to the Beatles' music and like people like myself that were obsessed. And if John said jump, we'd all say how high. They're waiting for him to come out and say, okay, everybody, let's go get him. You know, let's go attack the American government. And that didn't happen. But I think what happened is that John Lennon came out from whatever you call it, retirement, or decided to make a new album, and they got scared. And they said, we've got to shut this guy down because we've got a new Republican president. He's anti-Republican. And uh, they took him out. See, it says here, Lenin has taken an interest in ex- in extreme left-wing activities in Britain and is known to be an, a sympathizer of Trots- Trotskyist communist, uh, communist in England. Despite his apparent ineligibility for a United States visa due to conviction in London of a possession of drugs, so on and so forth. So, so they really thought he was a threat. And when I watch this and I think about all this stuff, I'm like, okay, they've got people watching him. They've got people tracking his money. They think he's a revolutionary sympathizer with communist ties, left-wing activities. 
And we had a real conservative right-wing Republican president coming into office, Ronald Reagan. And what's the likelihood they just took him out because they didn't want any problems? You know what I mean? I mean, it's kind of like talking about... um, And I think it's it's pretty fascinating when when you look at it. I mean, it looks more than obvious that somebody said, "Hey, he's back. He's back. We better do something about it. We better take him out." And you know, as he's talking about here, there's apathy. So you know, and even Steve. No, we should lose hope in ourselves. We should lose hope in ourselves. I mean, whatever this country is, everybody that lives here is it. You know, and you can't. That's what I talk about. There's hope in ourselves. That's what I say in every podcast. All we have is each other. When you start relying on the government or a vaccine or somebody in power over you, you're giving up your power. You're saying, please save me, save me, sire. And to have faith in a a deity like Jesus is one thing, but to have faith in a a president or a queen or a tyrant, you're giving, you just may as well just give up. All we have is each other. We should be supporting each other. We should be working to help each other out in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our communities, instead of relying, waiting for the government to do it. And we all sit back and wait for the government to do it. And they're the reason why we have these problems, because they want conflict built into our lives so we can become dependent upon them. Fingers of this guy or that guy for what's good or what's bad. Uh, Whatever's of, going on, we're all speaking responsible Speaking of what's for. good and what's bad, I only hear you say what you are against in this country what do you what do you think this what do you think is right about this country i think what's right is the fact that there are people in the country who want to change it i mean that the, that the youth that's all that the youth you say so beautiful right. you know that's what's right you know and uh you i mean, mean I the th- older people I think, have lost it up is i think this, i think the system in, in essence is corrupt but i think what's what's beautiful about it is that the children of america want to change the country and are going to change it that's what's beautiful mm-hmm. that, you know that there's a future I don't know. I mean, the country has been corrupt, and they talk about this more in this interview about how um, the Native American people in this country were slaughtered to give us our freedoms. And the black people were brought here from Africa and became slaves. So our country is built on the backs of slaves. And African American people are still discriminated against to this day. And thought of as an, is not being human. That's corruption right there. That's craziness. That's not freedom. Everything we buy, all the stuff that's made in China, are made in these horrible sweatshops in China. So we're we're not only part of the problem. We're we're enforcing it by buying products from a country that creates slavery in their own country, in the Chinese. So I think you know what he means by older and younger. I hope he's including me and children. <laughs> you practice today, uh, you learned at home. And uh, your parents are speaking of trust. Didn't you say something about the fact that you... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Is that right. good enough? I mean, every woman then you'd identify every woman, with right. now, And they have to stop getting so much so stone and change things. But they've never done time. That they should wake up. Oh, yes, they have. Have they? Oh, yes, they have. Well, you're Irish. And, uh, well, he means yeah. it, it. Well, I mean, it's symbolically. He means symbolically, never oh, suffered, never experienced depression. They definitely, both of them definitely have. I'm yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Is that right. good enough? I mean, every woman then you'd identify every woman, with as right. a sufferer. Yes. In that way, right. he means general. I mean, yeah. you can't take it literally a done time. What is the future? That's what I saw in you that you were an artist. You know, like you, Sonia, it occurred to me you, you. We were donating to the movement, doctor. So that that's basically it. So when I talk about. The CIA is everywhere. Well, at the very least, they're in Anheuser-Busch. At the very least, they were in the back pocket of John Lennon trying to figure out what he was doing. You know, they've got black ops people all over the country. Our armies are now everywhere. They disseminated our military everywhere after 9-11 because they had 
a free ticket. They had an open ticket. Everybody said, come on in, bring your armies in. We saw what your buildings fell. Come on in. I mean, three buildings fell in 9-11, even though they only reported two buildings falling in 9-11 in New York City. The third building was Building 7, and it fell at free fall rate. It wasn't hit by anything. It just had a couple fires in it. And they claimed that um, uh, uh, no, that didn't happen, or it wasn't part of it, or it really had nothing to do with it. The, the two towers that fell, as you watched the top of, uh, I don't remember which building it is, the steel girders, as it falls, the steel girders disintegrate into dust. They just go, and it turns into a big cloud of dust. No one's ever explained that. But we're, you see, what happens in this world is governments get in charge, and they don't allow people to have their own mind. And what they've done here in our country is they've candy-coated everything, and they've said, hey, hey, you know, Let's let's make people think that they've got it good. We'll give them Tonka toys, and we'll give them iPhones, and we'll give them we'll give them computers, and we'll we'll give them fancy cars, and we'll give them all these things. But in reality, the quality of life in this country is disintegrating. There are neighborhoods all over this country that are completely gone to shit. They've completely just gone to complete crap. And it's just amazing how they keep saying, we got it so good in this country. We got frequent, we, we can't even say what we want anymore. They've, they've undermined the Constitution. We can't speak freely. We don't have freedom of speech. If you say anything out of line anywhere, people will attack you in the street. You, know, you get deleted from Twitter. You get deleted from Facebook. You get deleted from YouTube. We no longer have freedom of speech. Now they're forcing vaccinations on us. Because they want us compliant, they want us quiet, they want us obedient, they want us to sit and be quiet, shut the fuck up, and do nothing. And when you're someone like Jerry Rubin or you're someone like John Lennon that doesn't play by their rules, they take you out. They either mute you somehow or they literally have you killed. And if you think I'm... I'm crazy. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody's watching me now because of my little tiny podcast. When I talk about a mind revolution, I'm not talking about a physical revolution. I'm talking about a revolution of consciousness. That's what I'm talking about, a revolution of consciousness. Because we've got to start to learn to think differently, look at the world differently, look at all the tricks to who, what, when, where, why, and how. Who is telling the story? What's the story about? Why are they telling it to me? That's the really big one. Why are they telling me this story about the people that got shot in high school? What is the story behind Alec Baldwin's shooting? Is it really about the killing of that beautiful woman, the cinematographer, or is it really about now more about gun control? How guns can go off magically. They go off magically now. They go off, oh, my gun's going to go off magically. There's there's no bullets in it. Oh, it's, oh, it went off magically. I didn't see my finger, you know. Guns don't go off by themselves. People pull trickles, triggers, people pull hammers back. Um, they want you to think that there's magical creatures controlling your, your life. They want you to think there's a magical man in the clouds watching over you every moment. They want you to think that there's all this stuff happening that really isn't. And if you pose a threat to the, to, to the agenda of whatever government you live under, they'll take you out. It's not just here in the United States. They do it in England. They do it in France. They do it in Italy. They do it in Look what's happening in Australia. They're taking all their rights away. I think even in Australia, they have... They have two different aisles of shopping now, one for the vaccinated, one for the non-vaccinated for this ridiculous virus that only kills an eighth of a percent of people um, that get it. We live in a strange world, and John Lennon was part of it. And for me, John Lennon brought a great deal of happiness and pleasure and joy and a new viewpoint. He gave me a new viewpoint on the world and on politics and on art. And they took him away because they knew 
he was onto something. They knew he had the money, he had the power, he had the popularity to try to do something about it. And they weren't going to let that happen. I don't believe Mark David Chapman did it by himself. I don't know if he pulled the trigger. I don't know if this doorman killed him. John Lennon is a, is allegedly gone. Um, you know, unless my book, my book of fiction, Breathe, you know, is true, and John Lennon faked his death so he could get get out of fame, or the government took him and used him as a a way to manipulate the drug world or to go in a um, you know a Go undercover as a drug agent or something, but I don't know. That that's that's uh, pretty far out. But that that's my uh, that's the um, that's the bottom line of my show. John Lennon was part of the whole conspiracy to take subversive people out by the CIA and the FBI. And when they had a new Republican president coming in, who was going to be anti-drug, I think he started to. I don't know if he started the, the, the war on drugs. I think that was started by um, Nixon or Carter or something, which is obviously a war on black people because the drugs all showed up in the, in the black ghettos around America, crack and all that stuff. But I'm P.T. Pop, and I hope you have a good day. Listen to, uh, we'll go to my YouTube channel, P.T. Pop, which is on uh, YouTube at youtube.com forward slash ptpop. I'm also on um, BitChute. Same, um, uh, it's ptpop, a mind revolution. I hope you have a good day. Check out um, some Beatles music if you want to feel good about the day or something to pick up your spirits. Have a good day. Bye. Running in circles, standing in line. Gonna catch a break. So that's it. John Lennon died on December 8th, 1980. And uh, somebody had him taken out. They claim it was this Mark David Chapman. But I happen to think it was elements of our own government had him taken out because a new Republican president was coming into office and they didn't want any problems. They wanted all the problems wrapped up and swept away before he he came into office. But I don't know. I'm just I'm just hypothesizing. We'll never know the real truth, and they won't let us know the real truth. They they release documents. They're all redacted. They don't release all the documents. The same with the Kennedy assassination. You know somebody. Behind the scenes, had to have Kennedy taken out. It doesn't make sense that some communist activist, pro-Cuban guy named Oswald Keldman, it doesn't make any sense. But everybody bought it. Just like 9-11. Kennedy's assassination, then 9-11, the two of the most traumatic things that happened in this country outside the Civil War here. And we just buy into it. We just, you know, the government says, jump, and we say, how high? They watch everything we do. They they have people in places of power in all the major corporations. The corporations have bought and paid for all the congressmen, the senators, uh, lobbyists. Um, everything is corrupt here. They talk about freedom. They talk about this. They talk about that. We've got it so great. But the bottom thing I'm trying to say is all we have is each other. We don't have the government. The government doesn't care about us. We have each other. We should be taking care of each other, our spouses, our families, our, our communities, our neighborhoods, making sure that's all in order. Because the government doesn't ever really want to do anything. It, it takes money from us, and it takes a million years for them to get around to doing anything. And then all of a sudden they come up with this virus and the vaccination. You, you've got to have the vaccination. You must have the vaccination. And it's destroying. It's destroying this country. The, that virus destroyed this country, and not that many people died. I mean, people did die, but it's destroyed more people's lives than the than, than the mortality rate has. It's destroyed businesses. It's destroyed families. It's destroyed marriages. It's destroyed 
all blocks of stores that have gone out of business. It's destroyed everything. And government doesn't seem to care. Oh, take the vaccine. We don't get take the vaccine. You will take it. I will put you in the cooler. All right, I'm PT Pop. You have a good day. Check out some Beatles music. Check out the new Get Back documentary by Peter Jackson. The Beatles documentary is pretty good. And have a good day. I'm PT Pop, leading out of the rabbit hole one grain of cheese at a time. Have a good day. Hope you all have... Uh, I'll, I'll talk to you next week. I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. Take care. Bye. You have been listening to PT Pop, a mind revolution. Leading you out of the rabbit hole, one grain of truth at a time. And take...